This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Here again, Doug Collum and Irene Yen. Welcome back. This is Sirius XM's Bay Area Ventures live from Wharton, San Francisco. I'm your host, Doug Collum, along with my co-host, Irene Yen. If you're just now joining us, we're, we're, we've ended up talking with um, a Rich guy, Grant, yeah. with Rich Grant, who did, uh, you know, it's kind of a venture capital firm of venture capital firms, mm-hmm. and uh, we're excited to have our next guest. Absolutely. Um, for those of you just tuning in, our show is about the world of entrepreneurship, um, startups, and venture capital here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So if you have a question, we'd love for you to join the conversation. Uh, you can reach us at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So we are being joined now by Chris Slow, who's the chief technology officer and founding engineer of Reddit which everybody knows about, to provide just a little background before I turn it over to Chris. Chris um, became Reddit's first employee back in 2005 as its founding engineer. And after five years at Reddit, he went off and worked with another startup company, Hipmunk, which was uh, an online travel planning startup as chief scientist. And now he's back at Reddit uh, and has just transitioned to the CTO title. Uh, after a year as a director of engineering. So, Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So, um, as I mentioned just during the break, I mean, maybe you can level set with us and tell us, you know, what is Reddit? I mean, I I think everybody's heard about Reddit but don't know the details. At least that's true for me. So maybe you can start with, you know, what what is Reddit? So Reddit at its core is a, a place dedicated to letting users create and grow communities that uh, are centered on discussion topics that they care about. And so the one of the core dynamics of Reddit is the notion of everything has a voting arrow attached to it. A so, voting arrow? A voting arrow, yeah. Okay. So um, users uh, can up and down vote content um, based on whether they like it or not. And then we have an algorithm behind the scenes that will basically help sort the most interesting content to our front page. Uh, and in the meantime, basically the, the community aspect of it allows... Uh, a subset of our users to basically curate uh, communities around topical areas and keep the conversations kind of focused. So, so like, g- give an example, just how that Oh, it, it, goes, it runs the gambit. So it goes all, all the way from, uh, you know, sites that are talking entirely about politics uh, to news to pictures of cats. We have a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, to pictures of dogs. Uh, uh, and <laughs> really, uh, you know, any, any topical areas, there's a very engaged science community. Um, there's an entire community called Change My View, which is about... Uh, having debates, like full-blown, you know, here, I, I, I state the following assertion, prove me wrong, or basically tell me why I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, and so the main, the main dynamic we, that we, we, we push for is really the conversation, the discussion side. So if, I, if I'm a dog lover and I post an article on Reddit about a dogs, then, then all the other users who are focused on dogs will, will vote on my article as being a good article or a crappy article. Yeah. Yeah. And then that article will move up or down in the listing of articles on dogs. Yep. And so what we do is we let users basically subscribe to the content that they're interested in. And so your front page is kind of your own personalized curated front page based on what you like. Uh, and so for, we also let people basically discuss that article. And so oftentimes you'll see in discussion threads, the actual first, first comment is, uh, dismantling of the article <laughs> with <laughs> citations, article. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, or okay. a joke. You know, it depends yeah. really on the, on the type of the community. Content. Okay, and so um, 
again, just to kind of to probe. So for people who are commenting, I mean, is it, are they known? I mean, do you, are the identity of the, of the um, commenters? So the, uh, how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, the entire site is based on pseudonymity. So um, you log in, which is a username and a password uh, and an optional email address. And that's kind of your persona on the site. So we actually put emphasis on the kind of the, uh, it's almost the, the kind of old style forum mentality mm-hmm. of, you know, everyone has a username uh, and you can be basically as true to that username as you want to be. So there's a, you know, we have, a, we have accounts that are uh, entirely running jokes. Like um, we used to have one uh, that uh, was uh, Captain Obvious, one of my favorite ones, who would just come into the middle of a conversation and say the most obvious statement. That's a picture of a dog. Yeah. Right. Um, but we also have, you know, we have users that, that generate uh, uh, poems based on content, like impromptu. Uh, we also have, you know, the, the, the emphasis that was on the content. So really the, the name that you use is almost the placeholder and the ideas are what matter. Okay. And the whole principle of Reddit is just, you know, curated and is um, community driven. To what extent is Reddit or have you guys thought about moderating or not or jumping in and not in, you know, um, I don't know, dancing or not dancing, but navigating all of that yeah and so so what we did was we actually um we do have moderation but it's actually community driven Mm. so uh every every community has a set of moderators that uh include usually the creator of the community originally plus a bunch of volunteers Mm -hmm. and um they're in charge of deciding like what the rules are of the community uh what can be discussed what you know what's on topic what's off topic so Uh, so to step back from 100 feet to 100,000 feet um (laughs) how how big is reddit can you give a people who are listening to sense for how how popular the site is um we have uh 350 million um, monthly active users say again 350 million monthly active users whoa uh big number where i think the we're currently the number six uh site worldwide on alexa which is a you know a site for ranking of of traffic by by user traffic uh by whatever their mysterious yeah. ranking algorithm is <laughs> <laughs> But number six? Number six. In the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we do... Uh, so this isn't... So if I'm dialing in, if I'm um, if I'm linking into Reddit and yeah. I start looking up, I mean, I'll, I'm going to find a ton of yes. user content, a ton of comments, yep. a lot of um, uh, dynamic activity on the site. Yeah. No, we have... Uh, colorful activity. Colorful activity. Yes. Uh, interesting and colorful. <laughs> I think we have 350,000 uh, submissions per day, like, wow. like you know, uh, and another three and a half million comments per day. So it's a pretty, wow. pretty sizable amount of content. And what is the, uh, just, I want, I'll, I'll come to that because okay. I want to come back to Reddit. I want to talk about you for a few minutes, which is, um, we go back, I think, to the year 2005, mm-hmm. which is when Reddit first took form. So maybe you can... So, so start us out there. What? How did that happen? And how did you, how did you jump into this? What, what's your background? So my background is actually um, I have a PhD in experimental physics from Harvard. Um, well, that's relevant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> totally relevant. So, yeah, so I, I, uh, you know, I learned. Uh, well, the advantage is I learned. I learned how to, you know, think critically and to weld, and I use the former all the time. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> and I think that um, so. It all got started actually a little bit before um, before Reddit. Um, so in 2004, I was kind of midway through my PhD program. Back in the East Coast. Back in the East Coast. This is yeah. at Harvard. Okay. Um, a small small liberal arts school in Cambridge, Mass. Heard uh, of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there, I was doing I was doing experimental physics, and 
Uh, by about my fourth year in, I was kind of getting a little bit of kind of mid, mid grad school burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of you know yeah. need a need a little bit of a side project or some like get get out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so I had a, I had a friend just out of the blue. Um, in 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 modern parlance, we'd say pitch me on a startup. Mm-hmm. I think at the time it was like he had a crazy idea that he wanted to work on, like a classmate. Uh, it was actually a, it was a it, he was an undergrad at the time, but it was a, it was a friend from he'd worked in my lab for a, for a while. He yeah. was a friend of my outside. Uh, this guy Zach Stone, um, and uh, he had this idea about what ended up turning into an idea for a company around desktop search. So we wanted to we had this problem. We we're a couple of academes. Um, we had a giant pile of PDFs on our hard disks at that point. Um, back when they still were hard disks, right. and uh, we had to we had to actually like <laughs> try to <laughs> try to find you know like a random article was was difficult. You know, Google was doing some of the work for finding things, but it wasn't doing a very good job at rediscovery or um, finding content in your own machine. And so we're like, ah, oh, maybe we can solve this, um, not knowing anything about you know we were we were both physicists, so we knew nothing about CS. So it was or we knew nothing more about CS than what we were doing as like part of our our degrees, which is you know a lot of time on computers. Right. Um, and so that ended up turning into a, a startup. We ended up getting into um, the uh, Harvard had kicked off this entre- this kind of cross functional entrepreneurial program. Did you finish your PhD? I did finish my PhD. Yeah, that was a couple years later. We'd like um, to note for the record. Yeah, note for the record, I am actually actually doctor <laughs> doctor Dr. Slow. Dr. Slow. Yeah. Um, but uh, but in the meantime, we'd applied for this uh, this entrepreneurial contest, and we ended up winning the prize there for our for our idea. Unwittingly. Unwittingly, yes, through through through, through nothing but uh, but machination and uh, and smoke. Uh, and then okay. <laughs> subsequently um, applied to the first Y Combinator uh, batch. So in the meantime, uh, Paul Graham had gone uh, and given a talk at Harvard. Um, you know, Paul Graham, the uh, the co-founder at Y Combinator, right. uh, which was pretty pretty much unknown at right, the time. It was early th- oh, it was before, yeah, yeah. This is like this is like two thousand four, early two thousand five, right. and he went. He basically came to came to Harvard. He gave a talk. Um, that was, I think, sponsored by the Computer Science Society, whatever the equivalent was. I can't remember the name. Uh, and there was a room of maybe thirty people uh, listening to this talk about. Uh, and the, the name of the title, was, the name of the talk was uh, "How to Start a Startup and Why and How." And he ended up publishing it online in his blog. And the the wow. net result of that talk was Y Combinator. Like basically, he he gave the talk and he you know talked to all these intrepid young you know undergrads who had like random ideas and it kind of emboldened him to think well maybe I'll just put my money where my mouth is and start my combinator um, and and maybe even if I'm just a PhD student I can still do this right. yeah and so and so in our case like, time, right? we we applied to the be in the first class like and this is this was also before you know the Y combinator didn't really exist it was like he had a call for resumes and for like pitches um, and uh, somehow we got into the first batch of 10 um, and, uh, but long story short, uh, my startup did not work out. Um, but in that very same batch that summer were, um, Steve Huffman and Alexis Ohanian, who were the co-founders at Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the summer, um, mm-hmm. I had two free bedrooms in my, uh, apartment and they needed a place to stay. So I was like, Hey, <laughs> you come, on in, come on over. Uh, <laughs> it's a well-known that's way a, to find co-founders. Right. Hey, yeah, like it, it worked, worked out. It worked out. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it, it was kind of about, it was maybe three months between being roommates and then, um, being, uh, asked to come on as a as an employee. So Reddit had its so, beginnings back in the East Coast. Yeah, Reddit right. uh, Reddit was actually founded in uh, in Cambridge, Mass. Actually, uh, they were living originally in Somerville, uh, over uh, by Tufts. At Tufts, yeah. Hmm. Or she might have been Medford yeah. at that point. Yeah. So go forward. So that was in two thousand five. Yeah. Um, you've got t- two guys who stayed in your two bedrooms and right. f- formed a new company. Are your yep. roommates and co-founders? And, yeah. and yeah, and co-founders and uh, and so. Uh, 2006 was just a very f- well. I mean, like personally for me, it was a very full year. Uh, it was uh, you know, Reddit was kind of ramping up over that year. And you were done with school at that point. No, I was still in grad school, so okay. I was the night shift. Uh, I was going. Uh, I was getting up. 
Uh, I was getting up in the morning at 7 to try to get in some exercise before going to lab. And then I work in lab until about 6 or 7 at night. Wow. Uh, the physics lab. Physics lab. Yeah. Uh, come Welding, home. Welding, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of machining. Lots right. of time in the machine yeah. shop. Uh, come home, uh, eat dinner, uh, and then start the night shift, which ran until about you know one or two in the morning. Wow. Yikes. Um, yeah. But you know that your, your 20s are a magical time where you can like sleep four hours and not die. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, and the, the miracle of this whole thing is that's also the year I met my wife. So I don't know how the, I was apparently well, on the a game. Lot. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 2006. And so the company grew, I mean, and you raised money at that point um, we, through Y Combinator? We, or? we raised a very small angel round. So we never yeah. actually took a series A. We went straight from, um, you know, Y Combinator's original pitch was, I think they were giving, uh, $6,000 per founder for the summer. Just enough to kind of cover like living arrangements, uh, basic server costs, and like food. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, ever since then, it's it, that was the original kind of contract. And I think uh, come that, that fall, I think we raised a small amount of like additional seed money. Um, yeah. You know, just a, a pittance right. by today's standards. Yeah. Enough to just kind of keep the lights running. I mean, right. we were living cheaply. It was, it was one of those like living off a of pizza kind of things yeah, ramen noodles and a, and so, a so, um, so you're still in boston at this time but yc was out here um so, so like, yeah that that, i think that i can't remember if it was that first fall or the next fall where um they started doing this kind of bi-coastal thing so they had a they had an office out uh in mountain view and they were doing basically uh summers in in cambridge and then winters in mountain view mm. got it okay yeah. and then finally okay. decided to just kind of go full bore out here mm-hmm so you moved in 2006? We moved at the end of 2006. So th- at the end of 2006, um, we got acquired by Condé Nast. Right. Um, and it was less than, I mean, the company was around for less than 18 months at that point. So I, that's that's the part I didn't understand very well because this sounded like a very early stage company. You've raised a very modest amount of seed yep. capital. And within a year and a half, the company's acquired. I mean, what was, oh. the, what was the promise that Condé Nast saw in Reddit? Right, what was what, the size I mean, were, of the community? Were you, like, taking off like a rocket ship at it that was, point? It was hockey stick growth. Like, it was, it was harrowing amounts of growth. I think um, uh, we basically learned how to scale a website live while we were running it. Uh, you could actually tell the difference week over week of traffic. Were you surprised? Uh, surprised and also didn't really know anything else, right? This is like a We're just arrogant. Thinking, of course, it's going to be right. like this. Well, that's it's funny because like actually, this is one of the this is one of the side effects of like my our next endeavor, which was into travel, right. where um you know it's like fast forward five years, two thousand ten. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but uh, uh, Steve likes to tell a story of how like you know we we set up this like this travel startup mostly because we wanted to change the scenery and like try something new and have something that actually had like a monetization scheme built in, and um. But we didn't really, we never really had to deal with this like whole user acquisition problem. So it was always like, oh no, you just turn a site on and, and just, just come. people Whatever just come. Whatever happens. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why everyone whines about it so much. Uh, like, <laughs> so, so come back to um, Reddit after 18 months. So it was a rocket ship user experience. We were doubling every three months. What was the financial model? Subscription? Um, <laughs> we didn't or have advertising. one. <laughs> yeah. Advertising in broad strokes. Um, I think we were thinking display ads. Uh, with the idea being that, you know, if the growth is really continuing in that direction, then we didn't need much of a, all we needed was if we could fill the ads we had with even decent quality advertising, we'd be just fine. But wow. you made it enough through advertising to keep the lights on, as you said, um, right? Initially, it was that. And we also were working on some, we, we had a, we had an intro to Condé Nast earlier that year. 
and they pitched us in a partnership to basically like help them build a. Even build at that time, they, they've they, you guys came up on their radar. Yeah, screen. I'd like to say, I'd like to say that we 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 shined, but I think it was it was uh, it was a very di- I mean, two thousand five was a very different time. Um, on it was because yeah. we were still kind of like we were still coming out of the excesses of two thousand and yeah. like. Um, you know, there wasn't, there really weren't any active incubators. I mean, Y Combinator was doing something kind of surprising by coming along and saying, like, you know what we should do right now? Startups, right. Uh, especially tech startups. Yeah, I mean, I do remember the time. This dates me too, but back in th- those times, I think the the YC business model had evolved from a six thousand uh, dollar donation, if you will. Mm-hmm. It was not a donation right. to fifteen thousand, and they were sprinkling that fifteen thousand bucks across the entire. Land side, yeah, landscape, um, and now they're up to whatever, hundred and twenty or hundred and fifty thousand. But um, interesting start. So, what did Condé Nast see in Reddit eighteen months after it had been formed? I think what they saw was the growth. They basically saw, you know, here's an online community for discussion that is growing on a terrific pace, and there doesn't seem to be any limitation on growth. Uh, I mean, keep in mind this is like this is before we had notions of communities. There was all just, I know. There's right, one right. St- one one giant front page, um, and in fact, our first our first four. So it was everything. You didn't have it divided up into subtopics. No, no, there was no there wasn't enough traffic to cover that. Yeah. Um, but there was enough content being generated to basically keep the front page churning, and it, I kind of have a breakneck, ever increasing pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were actually starting to think about. Like, what's the natural way to to grow past this like one front page? Because the original the original idea for the site was we were trying to be the front page of the internet. We were trying to basically be the place where you could mm. land, get a summary of what's going on, and you know, kind of move on and maybe discuss. So, so even then, back in two thousand six, were the governing principles for Reddit in place, which was anonymous contribution, mm-hmm. um, vibrant. Uh, active community of commenters yep. and uncensored content in terms of it. You had moderators and some some governors on what could be put on I mean, the site. Was, but it, for, for the first bunch of years, actually, we didn't have much of anything for that. Yeah. Um, we had some very light... We basically... We had to scale to a point where we actually had some spam controls in place um, because initially it was actually a pretty small uh, a, a pretty small amount of spam. Yeah. Um, and, and I think actually what, what was amazing to me early on was, uh, you know, Really, on average, people are kind of, are actually okay. Like they're they're generally their hearts in the right place, and they generally are um, are going to be authentic given the situation where they can be. And so we didn't have to worry. We had some cases where we had to worry about spam, but it usually was very bursty. It was like yeah. you know we weren't a high profile site. Um, yeah. There wasn't really much upside to to spamming us, and so we got a chance to like basically grow for a couple of years before we had to even consider countermeasures there. Yeah. Um, For those of you just tuning in, our show is about the world of entrepreneurship, startups, and ventures. And today we are speaking with Chris Lowe um, about Reddit and its growth for this hour. Um, you know, we were just talking about the Condonist, um acquisition. So you hit their radar screen. They acquire you. And you guys all stayed on as part of that, um, I guess, transaction. How did the company change or how was it integrated into Condé Nast? Um, we were given a lot of autonomy, which was actually really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ended up happening was um, at the time we had this uh, we had this great uh, head of M&A they had, um, this guy, Karosh Karamkani, uh, who ended up being our boss um, for the for the first bunch of years. And, you know, his, his job was basically to go out and find <laughs> uh, interesting tech companies to basically bring into the bring into the umbrella. It was actually around the same time that um, Condé Nast reacquired Wired. Oh, right. Um, and so we actually, we worked oh. out of yeah. Wired's office. Uh, when you moved out here? We moved out here, oh, yeah. Um, so they actually brought us out because it seemed like a natural fit to have us in a place where the tech was happening. 
you know, well, so that was the impetus for coming from, from yeah, we Boston moved. out here. Yeah, we moved because it was the closest fit they had. Like, you know, the, the mothership for Condé Nast is in New York. Right. Um, but they they thought that it made more sense to have us closer to where their, their one kind of big tech property was. So, so when Condé Nast made the acquisition, Chris, you stayed on. You yeah. Stayed, I mean, so you continued. And it was kind of like a... Um, I'm choosing words. So it's kind of like a double whammy because not only were you moving geography, but now you're, you know, there's a new sheriff in town, the owner of Reddit. Yeah. I mean, so how, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, founding engineer, but you're like a co-founder of Reddit dating back to 2005. I mean, emotionally, was this like a great thing when Reddit, when a Condé Nast swept on board and said, hey, we're here, and by the way, we're going to move to San Francisco? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember that I remember that day. We actually got, uh, we signed the paperwork on Halloween that year. And you had your PhD by that point, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one Asterix of the, will come one of the um, so I will say, I will say this, um, you know, do not mess with Condé Nast lawyers. We had a very long discussion period with those guys. Um, the one thing we managed to work into the into the contract was that uh, Chris gets to finish his PhD before, uh, you know, yeah. under any circumstances. So what we did was, um, uh, I ended up I ended up sticking out in the East Coast for a little longer. Um, I had, was finishing up research. Nothing really drives home the need to finish up research like an impending you have to move out to California. Like a deadline. Uh, yeah. Deadline. Yeah. And so, um, so I remember actually we we. Uh, we signed papers on the, on the 31st and like the next day um, I I remember texting Steve uh, and you know inviting him over for pizza uh, at that point I moved in with my girlfriend now my wife at the time yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, and and he texted back I'm in San Francisco <laughs> so Whoa. we were still we were still kind of yeah. hanging out um, we ended up not moving until February mm-hmm. um, of 2007 2007 yeah uh, but uh, and so at that point uh, everyone else had moved out and uh, it was I mean it was it was we were super excited because like more than anything else like it, it kind of it kind of validated that what we were working on was interesting right i mean like there was there were this isn't a time before unicorns like we didn't have a yeah. we didn't have much of a plan yeah. beyond the like build a company so that we can get acquired by a bigger company and then restart the process or like you know or make it make it something big internally so What's the two like? co-founders moved on but you stayed with no no they they they, 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 oh, they stayed, stayed they with stayed. it oh, yeah, okay yeah. okay no no uh steve and Alexis both stayed um and so uh what was different was i think um they stayed for the next three years. I stayed for four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that? Like you mentioned with Condé Nast with the acquisition, you kind of still were able to run Reddit as you had before and that their expectations of growth, et cetera. What, um, but what was interesting when we're reading about Reddit is that Condé Nast also, you guys got to operate independently we did. from them um, and then f- subsequently raise money as a, nin- like as a separate entity. What was that? What was that like, or what was driving that? So that was a little bit later. Um, during the during the early days when we were still there, mm-hmm. it was you know we were treated as kind of like a separate business unit, and given a fair amount of autonomy. So the one the one advantage we got from it was we got a, we got a we had the opportunity to have somebody talk to us critically about our roadmap, right. um, which also meant we had to come up with a roadmap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. that was yeah. actually uh, that That's was a, a fun first thing. I mean, it was it was it actually worked out really well because like, again, they, it wasn't so much that they were they were always you know the best kind of like philosopher king benevolent dictator like they were basically telling us like we were, we were doing things that were silly and helping us to kind of like hone in our strategy so in effect kind of coaching you on how to build the business yeah yeah i think so but but, but in, a, in a non-patronizing way i mean like yeah offering you resources and and counsel but not dictating how to do it yeah and so the, the tricky part for us was actually around the growth side of things which was um you know the, the site was growing really rapidly and so we were just trying to basically start hiring um and then 2008 turned around, 
and uh, you know there was a there was a small there was a small thing that happened in 2008. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you arrived arrived in the Bay Area (laughs) in early 2007. Yep, and it was like a short gig because then the world went crazy in 2008, and you were probably thinking, oh my God, what have we done? Or well, it was it was definitely it put a it put a damper on us uh, growing our our team because like we were still stuck in the situation of like. All the way through 2008, 2009, we were we were doubling every six months, wow. and um, we had never more than about five engineers in total working on the project. So, so talk about headcount growth during this period of time, because this this is a theme that comes up with a lot of successful companies, which is kind of man- I mean, uh, managing the culture of the company as it grows from you know the core founding team to first employees, and then suddenly you're in this thing where you're. You're trying to maintain culture and goals and philosophies, but in the context of a different organization. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, in this case, um, we never had to get too deeply into worrying about culture because there's never more than four of us in a room. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually really tiny. That we hired oh. um, we hired our first employee almost as soon as we got acquired. Um, was our uh, we hired our, our first uh, assistant, which is Jeremy Edberg, mm-hmm. um, and then hired uh, two more engineers. Now, this is now in San Francisco. This is in San Francisco. Okay, two more engineers uh, over the course of the next year or so. So just kind of like we yeah. we didn't, you know, practically speaking, we didn't know how to grow and, uh, grow a team. There were no rule books at this point. Like right. it was, there were there weren't there weren't that many companies that were even bootstrapping, um, and we were already acquired. So it was kind of like much more. We had to be much more deliberate about our, our hires and justify them and have like a reason for them. We had you know a bottom line, all that kind of stuff. Right. So your so, financial model was maturing too as you as time passed. Yeah, yeah. But <coughs> um, but what ended up happening was you know then 2008 turns around and there was a company wide hiring freeze in place, mm. um, and so we basically couldn't hire uh, from that point on uh, up until right around 2010. So it was about a year and a half of not being able to hire, which got to be kind of harrowing. Yeah. So continue. So um, you stayed on at Reddit until when? Uh, I stayed on until the end of 10. Um, so the original contract was through September of, or October of 09. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stayed on, um, kind of took over as like a kind of GM role. Um, though I think the title was like lead architect. There wasn't that enough people to have a GM. Right. How many How many people were there? Do you remember? Uh, I mean, like like I said, engineering was four. And uh, in, in terms of other, we had maybe one salesperson dedicated to us. We had a community manager. Um, I mean, eight maybe in total. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Pretty small. That's amazing for the kind of growth that it was um, enjoying at the time. Yeah, we broke, we broke a billion page views that uh, October, in October of 10. And oh, we had, we had eight remarkable. people working on the site. Yeah, I think the only company that was giving us a run for our money was, uh, I think Craigslist was uh, yeah. 50 right. times bigger and had 10 times more employees or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you so got like, restless. A little bit. Yeah, I think I got a little restless, a little burnt out. Yeah. Um, needed something new. And then I think at the same time, um, you know, what, what, didn't, what didn't help was... Uh, you know, Steve was pitching me on his new startup idea. Right. Uh, and the siren call. Like, of the new it, yeah, well, you know, because there's nothing more attractive than like a totally greenfield problem. Right. Uh, and so, um, yeah, by about by about mid year, I kind of decided I was going to kind of pack it up uh, and uh, moved on and joined Hipmunk. And that wow. lasted. So that was an interlude, if you will, that lasted a few years. Uh, five years, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It was almost as long as I think I was. Uh, I think it was at Hipmunk for as long as I was originally at Reddit, um, yeah. doing uh, you know working on travel. So then if we fast forward five years and, and Reddit swims back into view for you. Yeah. And in, in that case, it was, um, <coughs> it was kind of uh, early, early in 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, uh, I was hanging out with Alexis and uh, he's, you know, he's a very good longtime friend of mine. He's like my, my 
goddaughter to my uh, a godfather to my daughter yeah uh and uh we're just kind of we're kind of hanging out and he he suggested like well, what how about coming back and like doing some consulting or something just you know just a little just a little side stuff right. um and you know the thing about reddit of course is that it's it's something that i i guess i have a lot of opinions on uh there's still a lot of like you know uh built-in reflexes i mean you never lost sight of it it was always there and always it's yeah. always there it was always yeah. kind of like it was always kind of yeah. like a you know like like a baby, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it was it was our baby, and then we kind of like let it let it go. Um, I mean, I, leaving it was actually very difficult. I had to I had to basically make it so that I, I I set my computer up so that I couldn't check Reddit for about three months, wow. just to kind of like get myself some <laughs> so headspace because wow. um, it's very hard not to wean like, yourself from. Right. In fact, yeah, yeah it, was, it was wean. It was like cold turkey, like yeah. stop, um, just to kind of like you know clear clear things out. And uh, and so I think from uh, so that was February. I think by about June or July, I decided like okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll come back. on. Um, and Alexis went back also at that time. Alexis was, was had come back uh, the year before mm-hmm. to kind of do some do some uh, like high level work. I think he was uh, he was working on the board at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that because Condé Nast at the time was saying, "Hey, would you guys consider coming back? We want to grow this way." It's this is of... after spinning it back out. Got it. So um, I think the spinner happened around twelve, if mm-hmm. I remember right. So uh, before we go to break, can you talk about that? I mean, I'm just curious, and it is relevant to the story that. Mm-hmm kind of takes place as the second half of your career now with Reddit, which is, <laughs> which is what was the impetus for uh, Condé Nast to, to a spin out? Is that what it was? They divested a big portion yeah, of their it was, shares? Yeah, it was, it was turned back into, so we're, we're sort of turned back into a privately held company. Um, and, you know, we still have, um, we have a great board, including um, Steve Newhouse and Bob Sauerberg from mm-hmm. Condé Nast. Uh, so and still, still involved. Still involved. And like still uh, very much, you know, very much, uh, giving great advice and like helping us to grow the business. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I think the idea was that, you know, originally it was, uh, they were, I think Reddit was, this is during the interregnum. So this is all kind of like secondhand, um, spun out to be, uh, more of a division of the parent company, which is, uh, advanced mags, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of umbrella company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, spun out separately just to kind of give it an opportunity to go through the, go through the things that a tech company needs, which is kind of like the venture period is really valuable for that kind of initial growth. Uh, and so, you know, being being a a fully blown business that has a bottom line, but not being able to take advantage of things like you know venture debt, mm-hmm. um, seemed like it was a you know an overall detriment. Got it. So we're going to take a short break here. Um, our guest this hour is Chris Slow. I'm Doug Collum. I'm here with Irene Yen. Um, Chris is the Reddit's founding engineer and currently the CTO of Reddit. And um, so you're listening to Bay Area Ventures. This is Sirius XM's Channel 111. We'll be right back because I do want to talk about this this uh, this next this next phase of Reddit and your history there as the CTO of the company. Stay with us. Welcome back to Bay Area Ventures, Sirius XM's business radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Doug Collum. I'm here along with my co-host Irene McGann. Our guest this hour is Chris Slow, who's the Chief Technology Officer at Reddit, which is a very well-known social aggregate aggregation site and uh, discussion platform. And as we left off from the, the, the first half hour of the program, we were talking, really, Chris has had an interesting uh, career kind of weaving in and out of Reddit as it got went through an acquisition by Condé Nast, and then Chris went off to work on another startup, and now he's back at Reddit as the CTO. Mm-hmm. Um, what's remarkable, what's remarkable, I think, about Reddit it, from a structuring standpoint is that Condé Nast, in effect, seems to have divested a big part of their stock ownership in the company. 
and use that as an opportunity to raise, and the company has used that as an opportunity to raise institutional traditional capital, institutional yeah. venture capital. So there is a $50 million financing back in 2014. And more recently in 2016, there was a, a massive $200 million raise through a lot of very uh, name brand venture capital firms. And Chris may not, you were not there for the first 50 million raise, which is in itself a huge hunk of money. Uh, but you were, have, you have been around uh, during the more recent fundraising in 2016. So maybe, maybe to start with a snapshot of the company today, how many employees, how many offices, uh, you know, uh, how many users? I mean, I mean, you've talked about that a little bit, but maybe you can kind of just give us a snapshot view of what Reddit is like today. Right. Um, it's only 13 years, 12 years after it was founded. Uh, yeah, it'll be, this will be the 13th anniversary this year. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, right now we're doing, uh, like I said before, it's like 350 million monthly active users. Um, the company right now, we are at, as of today, uh, 297 employees. Um, we have, uh, three offices. Um, our main one is here in San Francisco. Um, that's include, that includes engineering and pretty much everything else. Where, where is Reddit here in San Francisco? Uh, we are in the Tenderloin. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, we have two sales offices, uh, one down in Santa Monica and the other one over in New York. Oh, okay. Uh, And we have a couple of remote, remote employees here and there. Yeah. Well, so two hundred ninety-seven. That's yeah. a far. That's a big from when it was just the you know four of you, three yeah. or four of you. Yeah, and no and longer. The ratio is down to one million monthlies per person. So <laughs> it's a much more manageable <laughs> <You're right>. number. <laughs> is that a metric that you guys use? In- uh, only, only jokingly. We used to right. use a lot more in the past when it was much more dramatic. Usually, they talk about revenues per employee, right. but you guys use users. users per yeah, I think our, we peaked out at around ten million uh, per employee, wow. which was a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so slightly outnumbered. So three off three main offices. Mm-hmm. You've got almost 300 employees. How big is the um, is the engineering group? I mean, at this point, uh, the engineering team is at around 130 right now. How many report to you? Um, so that's the fun part. I get to be chief architect, so I only have three reports. Um, yeah, the the uh, the split we have is we have a, v- a VP of engineering uh, who has the entire org chart underneath him, um, and so that makes me good cop. Got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so when you have. You have three people. So help me to understand. I'm not a technology oh, yeah. guy. So, so, so um, kind of, the, you know, the, the split that ends up happening in technology is like uh, later in your career, you can either go kind of management track or you can go kind of um, usually they're called, you know, IC, individual contributor. Um, that typically turns into much more of a role around like engineering vision and architecture and kind of like large scale design. And so uh, I'd say one, one way to describe my role is uh, – you know, there's a product roadmap and the product has a particular direction and a particular set of needs. And then there's the other half of the work that is basically goes into like making sure that you have like good support structures, make sure that you have a good foundation, make sure that you have like good code quality, um, technical debt, maintaining that, um, make sure there's not three groups all building the same thing right. in slightly different ways. So, so your role is, is, a, is a strategic one in terms of how to, how to actually structure the product in a way that optimizes for for growth, Identify, whatever we're yeah, going to build, whatever yeah. your objectives are. Um, it also is a, it's also a game of making sure that we uh, we fix whatever we built in the past, which is always important because you know you're yeah. no matter how good the intentions, you're always left with your decisions. Long term. So, so <laughs> just again to help us understand mm-hmm. uh, in words that we can understand. <laughs> Um, I mean, what are the, like, if you can identify two or three goals that occupy you now, I mean, probably you're, you're losing sleep over them at night, but what are the, what are the things that you 
spend cycle time on. I mean, I think the, the, the kind of the most, the most nebulous and hardest problem is the one around policy. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, how do you have a hundred ish engineers all working productively towards a goal and have like a coherent notion of like coding standards and code quality. So it's kind of like choreography. Yeah. It is a lot like yeah. choreography in that case. Yeah. Um, other things are like uh, related idea performance. Um, you know, you've got, you've got 10 engineering teams all working on the same product surface they're all going to hit their checkboxes. How do you make sure that they coordinate and right. that the final product actually looks good? Right. Uh, or it's fa- or more importantly, it's fast. Um, because, you know, I think uh, Reddit is a good demonstration that, uh, you know, historically we have never, we have not always had the most attractive aesthetic, um, but we've always been fast. And so I think you, you get a sort of, for, you know, users will be forgiving if they get the content quickly. Right. They'll, 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 you'll, they'll accept the uh, redesign as long as the functionality remains the same. As long as we're just as fast as we are before, they'll yeah. be happy with it, yeah. So you must lose sleep at night. Oh, constantly, yeah. yeah it's also yeah. You know, basic things like making sure the site is up. Um, that's, that's no longer, that's no longer as important yeah. as it used to be because it actually does stay up most of the time. Especially with an average of one million you know, users per, per employee, and then some users are louder than others, if you will. <laughs> not, not to mention most of, uh, like one of the functionalities of Reddit is Reddit is a platform for criticizing Reddit. So right. you know, we're, we're, if we do something that users don't, like you hear about it they've got their own megaphone to use there's a subreddit all about that topic (laughs) (laughs) that's probably multiple (laughs) subreddits for the 250 million that you raised recently how how are you how are you thinking about deploying that or what's the company thinking what's that um earmarked towards um so it's it's uh it's mostly to you know right now kind of the 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 direction of the company has been to spend the last couple of years building a lot of foundational stuff like Mm -hmm. building out the team building out the company and to spend the next few years kind of building out product verticals mm-hmm. and actually, you know, making the site look nice, actually doubling down on initiatives we've been planning for a very long time. Uh, and so, um, you know, we're thinking of this as being kind of like a, a good a good war chest, honestly, to be able to grow the company and uh, continue to grow uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. So when you came on board in 2015 as, as an advisor first, and then you basically yeah. jumped in full time in 2016? Initially, it was, I was coming on as kind of doing some light actual on, on the ground engineering and mostly just kind of like advising yeah. based on problems that they're having. And so when you came on board in 2016, you were there in time for this massive financing. I guess that puts you if you're raising 200 million without knowing. Well, that was in uh, 17. That was the end of last year, actually. Oh, it was? Yeah, okay. yeah. So so now you've got a massive amount of cash. You probably have a pre-money valuation that also probably keeps you awake at night. 1.6 billion. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've no, graduated. No, 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 1.6 billion. Right? So you've graduated. 1.65, actually. Uh, <laughs> a little bit helps. Right. So you've graduated, <laughs> it keeps on going. You've yeah. graduated to the rank of unicorn. Yeah. Right. And um, But from your standpoint, I mean, your headcount growth continues to grow. You have a very fundamental and strategic role in the company I mean, I, I'm curious from your perspective, which is unique because it's it's technology focused. I wonder how has the company changed as a result of, I mean, you know, you've got outside investors. You, I mean, they're looking steely eyed at the management team. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got a revenue model. You're accountable for, you know, financial performance and blah, blah, blah. I mean, so from your perspective, Chris, as you sit here and look back and reflect philosophically on the nature of being a high-powered, venture-backed company, you know, what's changed? Um, well, I think, you know, one of the main things that changed was the original founders and people like me coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the 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 tricky part with Reddit is that um, it had a, a kind of a large number of years in kind of almost like in a holding pattern um, where the site was continuing to grow, but the product didn't really change because there weren't enough people to actually change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And so, you know, one of the one of the kind of nice things about coming back as the original founding team is you get a certain amount of 
breadth in your ability to make changes and kind of hopefully make improvements. On the other hand, just as a counterpoint, I mean, you're you're trying to transition back into a company where I'm sure there must have been some resistance from the the, the then employees of the company. I mean, it's tricky because when you have when you have such a long time without being able to build a product, um, and also when you're kind of basically heavily understaffed, the result is you get into a very protective mode on the way that the product is treated, right? You know, yeah. you, you, the first important thing is to be up, right? right. It doesn't matter yeah. what you build if you're yeah. down all the time. And that, of course, means, you know, one, one way to be up is don't change anything. Just keep it all, keep it all standard. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like, fortunately, I mean, we have a great team. We have a bunch of really smart people. And like I think once once you kind of get out of that mode of like, no 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 we can't change anything because we'll, we'll go down. It's like no no don't worry about it. There's now an entire team in charge of that wow. right like, um, because I mean when I came back in uh, when I started coming back in fifteen I think we had sixty employees sixty five. Um, when I started full time in uh, January of sixteen, we were closer to eighty or ninety, uh, and you know now we're up to three hundred. So we've been on a pretty good doubling kick. So, so com- if anything is going to has changed, it's been the fact that we actually have a bunch of people who were working full-time on Reddit. So coming back to my question with the infusion of cash and the advent of steely-eyed investors. <laughs> you know, Our investors uh, were actually really nice. Like, um, I have to say, like, we've right. gotten really great. Maybe we, have, we are lucky in that we have really great investors. Um, no, I think, um, I, th- I, think, I think in part because there has been so much work into just making the kind of core – the core bits of business, like the other, the other half of the business, like the, you know, we've never had to worry about traffic mm-hmm. and we've never had to worry about technology. Like we've always kind of solved those problems, but the, the kind of building the company, building the business side was something we didn't have to confront in the first pass because yeah. well, at first it was a four person startup and then it turned into a four person startup that was owned by a larger company that already had those policies in place. Right. So if anything, that was, I think the really one of the best parts of the kind of interregnum at, at Hipmunk yeah. um, was we got a chance to work on a great product that also didn't have a turnkey solution for traffic. And we had to figure out all the other parts, like mm-hmm. how to grow a team, how to grow an engineering culture, yeah. how to grow a company culture, and how to make sure that you kind of have your user, your, 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 your users and your, and your people know that you care about them and that they're working on something important. So you're seeing these changes that took place over the last couple of years is very positive. That you could bring to um, Reddit now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think we have a you know right now we have a great great culture internally. We have um, we have great employees. We have really smart people working on, on, awesome. on things. How do you think about like now? This is like a Reddit you know version two from an experience standpoint. You know, and you know all the discussion in the news these days about because it's algorithm based about what ends up in the top of the feed and all that kind of stuff about. You know, the I don't know if it's like the fake news discussion, but folks like purposely, mm-hmm. you know, promoting a certain article that may not necessarily reflect the organic, you know, uh, community you know, interest. I mean, how do you, th- you guys think about that as this discussion kind of rages on or gets? Yeah, I think, I think for us, um, we have a couple of advantages, which have been really great, which is um, I mean, to start with. Uh, I can't say nice enough things about our moderators. So our moderators are basically this volunteer army of people who care passionately about the topics that they moderate and the mm-hmm. communities they moderate. And, you know, they're they're domain experts, right? Like they know, they kind of, um, they they run a community, with their community is like basically however they see fit and they're given a, a kind of a, an ability to set the tone of their community. Mm-hmm. So you have extreme cases of like, um, there's an entire community called Has- Ask Historians mm-hmm. that it is very heavily moderated because the whole point is somebody comes in with a really hard history question. You don't want the first answer to be a joke. 
Right, yeah. right. It should be something that's actually topical and, and descriptive and has citations and like is actually like a good scholar. Constructive. Piece. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and then you have, you know, uh, on the other side of the world, you have like just uh, there's an entire community called Funny. Like, and it's kind of a free for all. And like you can post whatever you want. Um, and so, you know, because we kind of we've set our tools up so that we allow for both styles of, of moderation. Um, that that certainly helps on the one hand of making sure moderators can kind of do their do their job or do their work and make their communities happy. Um, another thing is we, we kind of have a, we, I don't know how we did it, but our community is just very skeptical. Like we do have like a part of the process is, you know, like I mentioned before, like somebody posts an article that maybe has a little bit of a, a shadiness to it. First comment without failure is going to be a dismantling of the article mm-hmm. or like the selected pieces of like what, what, what do you mean dismantling and uh, effective fact, fact just, checking? Yeah. Well, like, you know, skepticism, we, we allow users to vote on everything, including on comments. And so, for every link or every block of text submitted to Reddit, there is a bunch of comments attached to it um, that will describe like either on topic or off topic, depending how it's moderated, like what's going on in the article. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you see very often in, uh, especially on, on controversial topics, there'll be a discussion happening right inside the comment thread about that topic. That's going to be, you know, typically, you know, th- not to suggest that there's not, there's not people who are, you know, going to express vitriol or kind of go go mm-hmm. too far, right. um, but there'll be there'll be debates going on and there'll be actual discussions. So just for people who are now dialing in, we're talking with Chris Slow, who is the CTO of Reddit, um, and we're talking about a very interesting aspect of the company that I want to spend a little more time on, which is, you know, this this point counterpoint, this balance between a very open, uh, active, vibrant community of people who have. Um, interests in a wide range of topics on one hand. And, um, you know, I guess, I mean, there's kind of the darker side of this where people who have the opportunity to weigh in and with some, you know, things that are not so pleasant to talk about. And what what I'm hearing you say, Chris, is that in fact, there isn't, there are moderators and they, in fact, they, they, exercise a moderating influence they in, are effective at setting keep, the tone for yeah those, I, I kind of keep, the keeping the, mm-hmm. the discussion within the bounds of good taste i mean i don't i'm not choosing the right words no but. It's, a, it's a fair it's a fair assessment in fact you know and like, like anything else involving people like there are there are good points and bad points and like there are cases where you know moderation moderators don't do their job other situations that get out of hand mm-hmm. um and so you know the the, the the kind of the, the kind of you know backstop for all this is you know we have a we have an internal trust and safety and community team who are in charge of making sure that you know if things get pushed into harassment or if things get pushed into um, all those other unpleasant places that happen online right. we have some people who are on staff to actually you know help manage it and they'll step in I mean how often does that happen where the company has to intervene um, you know and, hopefully as and, seldom as possible I think of it yeah. as almost like it you know when, when we have to get involved it almost feels like we I'd say like one way to think of Reddit is if you think of it as like a loose confederation of states, we're like the federal government, right? Yeah. And so it's almost like the situations where you have to call in the National Guard or hopefully few and far between. It's a light touch. It's a yeah, light touch. Light touch. Um, you know, not on top of it all, like we're at, the, you know, we just don't have enough people to basically have a high touch, right? I mean, yeah. we've, we've got, uh, um, we've got sort of a few dozen people working full time on on uh, on trust and safety in a community um, and some engineering to support them. Um, my favorite team, by the way, my favorite engineering team is the anti-evil team, which is the community that supports these, uh, these teams. Uh, and their job is to basically build tools for, um, for this kind of enforcement as needed. And so, I mean, I don't want to get into this too deeply, but there's, there's some articles that I saw in the course of 
doing some background on Reddit, which was, um, relates to, it's almost, again, I don't know the vocabulary, it's almost like there's an assault by a particular sub-community on anyone who has an issue with what they're talking about. And it's like, almost like a denial of service where there's so many so many um, um, users who are coming in trying to promote a particular sub-community to the point where it's starting to eclipse and discourage other people from using the site. Now, maybe that's an overstatement or a misstatement of what I read in the article, but I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that interests me simply because, I mean, the, the original principles that brought Reddit to the table are good principles, and yet it seems like you've got constituencies out there who could who are trying to subvert that. Well, I think, you know, the other advantage we have is that we've been around for a while. So, you know, we've got 12 years of history and 12 years of countermeasures for exactly the kind of thing that you talk yeah. about. So I wouldn't pretend that, you know, we usually call it brigading in that case. When you call have what? Brigading. Okay. Um, you vote brigading. Um, I'm not going to pretend that, like, you know, like denial of service attacks, um, they do happen. But, you know, the, the tricky part for us with any kind of countermeasure we build is... We have to make sure that we can act effectively and not necessarily tip our hand on how it's working, right. yeah. which means we can't necessarily declare victories on things that mm. weren't seen. That so, you know, it's that kind of, uh, yes, every once in a while something slips by, but there's a whole, for everyone that slipped by, hopefully there's a whole set of countermeasures that we're working on that have caught the other end. Right. That keep happen. it on an keep even keel. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we, we've got, we've got very like, you know, our, our, our kind of like, how our voting actually works and how votes count and how votes are tallied up are all kind of secret sauce. And they've been kind of, you know, evolving over the last decade um, to basically take into account like uh, how, how users will, you know, abuse it. So here we are in 2018. Um, Where do you, uh, I'm going to ask a personal question. (laughs) So so if we use five. I'm still waiting for my jetpack, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was promised one, I believe uh, by now. I don't recall. Hoverboard. Hoverboard for sure. (laughs) Definitely hoverboard. I saw that in back to the future too. Okay. Um, (laughs) In five years time, if we pick that as an arbitrary measure, I mean, do you see yourself at at Reddit? Um, I, I think if I'm not there, I'll be probably on my way back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> given okay. previous history. Fair point. It's a uh, magnet, you know. Just yeah, like it's sort of hard to, it's apparently it's very hard to leave. Right. And um, where, where do you see Reddit in five years' time? I mean, is it a, oh, man. It, or do you have long-term goals for where you see the company? I mean, if you imagine it, what would it look like? Yeah. So far, there just doesn't seem to be a stop to Reddit. Um, you know, I think we've we've continued to kind of make sure that it grows and that it has outlets for users to, you know, what, one of our goals actually originally, um, before even launched communities, was this notion that Reddit should always feel small, mm-hmm. right? It should always feel like you're having a discussion um, with, you know, your friends or like just kind of like having a having a discussion at a bar or kind of like right. those very kind of casual conversations. And so the 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 trick is basically to make sure that we can continue that process and make sure that we can connect people and make them feel like they're part of a community along with the other several hundred million people that are in the same community. Um, you know, because the, the two sides are both terrible. Like you don't want to have... Nobody likes, you know, there's nothing worse than a party where one person shows up. Right, right. <laughs> and also, like, trying to have a conversation in a stadium, like, is very difficult. Yeah. And so, really, you know, our target is to make sure that we can enable, use technology to enable these kinds of very authentic conversations, regardless of how big we get. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, like, five years from now, I'd love to continue to get bigger and, like, start breaking breaking a billion monthlies. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that, you know, given our, I think given our plans, we can actually do that. 
I mean, it's it's an amazing company, and especially now that you've raised as much money as you have. I mean, it, I don't want to get into a discussion about exits and where the company is going to go, but um, it sounds like there are a lot of things going for it. Um, yeah. So, so we've got about a minute left. I'm wondering, I'm coming back to you <laughs> as as an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. we have a lot of people who listen to the program. I mean, if you're going to reflect on your experience with a company like Reddit, I mean, how do you think about it? Oh, I mean, I think um, the one thing I always come back to is, I think it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was John Lennon, or he either said it or stole it. Uh, you know, life is what happens when you're making plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, here I am, this, like, former PhD candidate for, uh, you know, physics, who now is, you know, working at a tech company that does, you know, basically weaponized pictures of cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have picked that uh, <laughs> if you'd asked me 10 years ago. What do you think about your move? I mean, again, we've got about 30 seconds, but what do you think about your move from the East Coast to the West Coast? I assume this is home now. This is home now. I have two I have two kids now who are California natives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think actually there's a, there's a very similar kind of vibe, especially coming from Boston, where there's like a very, you know, Boston was the kind of old tech belt, you right. know, the old 128. Yeah. Um but I think it's a very similar kind of like, you know, out on the East Coast, you've got a lot of universities. Out here, you have tech. And I think they're trying to solve a similar kind of problem. So good move. I think it was a very good move. Yeah. And this, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this feels like home now. Yeah, it does. That's great. So um, unfortunately, we are out of time. I mean, that's that's the risk with right. these programs. The hour flashes so by and we're done. There's, yeah. there's so much more we could ask. So um, thank you. It's been a great discussion. We've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Um, and you can keep up with Chris on Twitter at how uh, Kaiser, Kaiser Sosa, Sosa yeah. <laughs> uh, as a uh, an old uh, usual, usual suspects, suspects yeah, K E Y S E R S O S A. Yep, same, I have the same username on Reddit. Though, thanks for everybody for joining us. If you've got a question about something you've heard on today's show, you can email us at businessradio at siriusxm dot com. As a reminder, we air live during your commute hour each Monday at four o'clock p.m. Pacific right here on the Business Radio Channel 111. Uh, again, thanks. special thanks to our guest today, Rich Grant, founder and managing director at Touchdown Ventures, uh, and to Chris Lowe, CTO and founding engineer of Reddit. Also thanks to our producer, Dana Cash, assistant producer, Charlene Goto, and our engineer, Tatiana Samis, back in Philadelphia. I'm Doug Collum with Irina Yen. You've been listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.